I guess I should actually warn the listeners now that we are live. Um, hey, what's up? Uh, I just came back from a networking thing um, where I had to have lots of conversations with like real, real adults and with people I don't know very well and also was just around people literally 24-7 for 72 hours and I normally live alone and spend most of my time looking at a computer for my job. And therefore, it literally hurts to talk a little bit, and also, I forgot how to form sentences. Also, I'm drinking wine, so, like... Welcome to the Hamsteak Podcast! Yay! I'm still very excited to be here and tell you about my hams. Our hams. We all share the hams. It's the communal ham. That sounds pretty gross. Just grab a slice... Just, just carve yourself off a nice big old chunk of... I bought saltines <laughs> today, and mm-hmm. the very first saltine I took out of the box, my cat, like, was very interested in, and I found this very charming, because she, like, grabbed my hand and, like, pulled it over to, like, sniff, and then mm-hmm. the sniffing became more and more invasive, and then, almost imperceptibly, extreme sniffing became licking, <laughs> and I had to throw away my inaugural saltine. Oh. Yeah. You didn't give her to her? No, she doesn't need the sodium or the carbs. It's like one million kibbles worth of carbs. No, probably like ten. Mm-hmm. You know. Yay! Podcast! Podcast! So we're coming back after um, kind of a long hiatus. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. We um, we've been trying to get it to work for a few weeks, um, and this was the time. And so hopefully it goes up on four thirteen, and then uh, hopefully we get into more of a weekly schedule from there. Yep, that's the plan. Um, I think I should be fine to record something next weekend. Yeah, me too. Alright, so pending... And we keep getting sick. One or the other of us pretty much keeps getting either sick or having, like, major obligations or something. Um, Yeah, yeah. Because life. But um, we're getting there. So things are letting up. It is the spring season now. Or pre-summer if you live in Florida and it's been, you know, 80 degrees every day for, like, a month already. But, um... Yeah. Oh, I almost forgot. This is the podcast where we read Homestuck and tell you about it. It is. (laughs) My name's Alex, and I have not read Homestuck before. And my name's Lydia, and I super have. It's called the Hamstake Podcast, if if you forgot to read the browser tab. Yes. Also. So, this week we're reading pages 52, 21 through, I forget the last one. The ending. Fifty-three, twenty-two. It is okay. So a nice round hundo of pages, I believe, mm-hmm. um, this week. Um, and there's a bunch of stuff that happens, and I think we fucked up by I don't know, or maybe it's, I don't know. We, we it's just sort of unavoidable, but it's sort of unfortunate that this is coming after a long hiatus because like so much tension was building. And now it's been a month, and now I'm just, like, reading events, and it's just, like, thing, thing, <laughs> thing. Um, but I am excited about it. These are, like, these are, like, I don't know, when people talk about, like, Homestuck being totally bonkers and, like, shit hitting the fan, 
and 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 whatever and like characters dying left and right and whatnot like this is what they're talking about this is this good shit um yeah it's kind of like this hundred pages yeah it happens <laughs> this is um this is the room where it happens and by room i do mean 100 pages of the hit webcomic by andrew Hussey. well also uh the room that they're on in the game that we play to start this reading yeah so, um, this is a second, uh, edition of the Homestuck, or, no, sorry, this whole thing is Homestuck, <laughs> the Earthbound-inspired game, uh, that we played a while ago. Um, and so... Is it Earthbound-inspired, or just, I mean, I suppose it must be, but it just so, felt like any kind of walk-around right, so RPG. I, so it actually is, like, specifically because, like, its internal name is Alternia Bound. Oh. Which I found out by very carefully going to the wiki, because I wanted to see the comparison between the sprites in this version and the first version. Like, tiptoeing up to the wiki and, like, sort of, like, putting your hand over one opened eye and then, like, just kind of doing the, like, live long and prosper symbol so you have, like, a little tiny sliver. And <laughs> just, just being, like, swiper no spoilers. Yes. Uh, I appreciate um, you embarking on such a delicate um, endeavor, mission. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I actually, doing that, I found out that we actually missed a bunch of stuff in the first one. Because uh, I didn't realize you can use the transportalizer and actually go to other parts of the lab. <gasps> oh, no! Um, luckily, it's all just kind of flavor stuff. Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of chests with random joke items in them. Yeah. Um, there's, like, a a scene where Karkat goes back to the, like, ectobiology room mm-hmm. and just, like, has a flashback to being surrounded by 12 babies. Um, but that's, there's nothing, like, major that we missed. That scene was sort of fun. I mean, or not fun. I actually kind of enjoyed that scene on account of um, huge, hulking, monstrous shapes. In test tubes, which was sort of fun for the part of me that still, in spite of myself, enjoys the Eldritch. <laughs> Am I saying that properly? I think so. Okay. I'm really glad that our podcast has a consistent tone and feel and pacing. Mm-hmm. That was... You got that that was sarcasm, right? No. Oh. I was just... I thought it was a... Maybe? A, strange, a strange thing to say specifically but i appreciate it maybe our tone maybe our tone actually is totally consistent and i'm just highly i'm very perception mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. alex you wrote so with about six o's but that's not the first thing that happens in this comic but that's a note that you wrote that i saw that reminded me that we should talk about our notes about the comic about what so, how remind me how this starts, because I read this accidentally right after we posted our last episode. Whoops. <laughs> okay. That was however long ago that was. That's when it's I read this. It's kind of a fun twist. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, I did also read it many other times, so. Right. So, um, this game starts uh, with Kanaya deciding to take the matriarch to the core. Conniving, if you will, to take oh my the God. to the core. 
Excellent. If you will. Will you? I will. Okay. Um, Solitz and Feffrey are gloving about feelings in the horn pile. Um, Which just means uh, talking, but with more fish puns. Yes. Um, and Feffrey is being very open, and Solix is very unwilling to talk to anyone else but her. Oh, man, that's so... Okay, so unfortunately, I do feel like dudes kind of like persist in that pattern later into adulthood, but that was just such a hallmark of my teen years, is being like, so many dudes, like, only person I can talk to about this. And like, at the time, it made me feel very important. Oh, man. You know? Yeah, I totally see what you mean. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like, I do appreciate how Hussy, like, in a lot of ways, kind of nails these kids as, like, precocious Um, 13-year-olds. Like, I don't know. It's a little bit unnatural, but for the most part, like, in retrospect, like, looking back on it, like, they, they feel both authentically teen- and authentically highly precocious, so. Anyway, they're in a yeah. horn pile. Yeah, so, um, after you talk to them, you talk to Carcat. Wait, uh, I mean, it's important, it's important what their feelings are. Okay, uh, Solix is sad that a radio blew up. Yeah. Um. But Feffery, um, so remember that Feffery, uh, as a Durst streamer, she is familiar with the horror terrors. And mm-hmm. so um, she kind of hears them whispering to her, and um, she has heard that Aradia is actually fine. That's an important piece of information. Right. So hang on to that one. Um, but Solix just doesn't love that um, Feffrey is talking about his feelings in this public forum, because he's mm-hmm. secret moody boy. It's also, it's fair enough. Yeah. Um, we also have a message from Doc Scratch at the computer. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, um, something first happens. Carcat comes okay. up to apologize to Terezi, but he can't. Okay. He wants to apologize because he was I'm just going. Her. I'm just going in the order of the notes. You're reading my notes, not yours. Yours are better. They're, is that? Are you just assuming that because I've read it before? No, because you wrote what they're actually talking about. I mean, I did, but I left that little detail out. Anyway, anyway, there is a uh, message from Doc Scratch. Yes, but she's just not going to read it right now. Right. She just, like, as in the game, informs you that she's not going to read it. Pay no attention right. to the message right. behind the curtain. Right. Um, you can also see where Rose blew up Aridin's computer however many pages ago. Right. Because he was talking about... He was trying to get her... He was, like, bugging her a lot to, like... I guess teach her... Teach him uh, magic, I think? Or to, to like, sort of convince her that um, magic isn't real? When she's a witch? Right. Or something? I, I don't remember. I think he was trying to get her to teach him dark magic, and then she was like, idiot, like, magic isn't real. And then magically blew up his computer. If I recall correctly. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. I I don't know. I'm talking to the audience. Okay. That's okay. Um, also, if you've ever read this comic before, can you please, like, corroborate to me this observation that I've been, like, laboring underneath 
for since I was 17, so like six years now, is that um, when you see the monitors from the side in these Meteor Lab screens in these games, um, they look like dildos with desk mounts. I, I did not make a note of that. Really? I didn't look at them really closely. I mean, I didn't either. I was just like, oh, it's a phallus. It's just always been my first thought. I was like, always like, why is there like a joystick on, like an oddly phallic joystick on these desktops? And it wasn't until this read-through that I realized they are monitors seen from the side. Only except they're, they're <laughs> it's video game pixel art, so dildos. Everything's a phallus when you think about it. Oh, no. I'd um, rather not. Okay. Okay. Um, so, Carcat wants to apologize to Terezi, um, but she uh, is off exploring the lab and, like, getting away from everyone because she's sad about Dave dying. Oh, or, yeah. Or Dave being doomed to, to die because of herself. Yeah, I mean, she just witnessed him um, be killed by Jack, and if you recall, she absolutely machinated that, and uh, Alpha Timeline Dave is still alive. Um, it's, you know, he's a Dave from an alternate timeline, but he's Dave from an alternate timeline that she sort of, that she very actively manipulated him into creating to make him confront, you know, the realities of life and death and stuff. And I guess she was not prepared for how it would actually feel to um, see her friend die by her own hand like that. Because she talks a big game about being this, you know, manipulative game player, but she's got feelings. Mm -hmm. But so he's gone, and um, Karkat's not sure how he upset her. Um, Karkat assumes that he upset her. Um... And my cat is here to comment on the episode as well. Um, okay, so the thing about this game is you can be a couple different characters, right? Um, mm -hmm. So you start out the game, I believe, as Carcat? Kanaya. Oh, Kanaya. You start as Kanaya. Um, and so let's say you go around and you talk to everyone as Kanaya, and then you um, you try to transportalize. Um, you The game forces you to become Aridan. And, uh, Aridin knocks the matriarch out of her arms. Yeah, um, so, when you go to... Yeah, you just said that. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, yeah, so, um, he knocks the matriarch out of her arms, and, um, he's got this wand, and he's like, this is my wand of science, or my wand of hope. Um, and... Okay, well, so anyway, you're now Aridin. Like, Kanaya um, is just kind of standing to the side, and um, the order that I did this is I had Aridin go over and talk to Carcat, and um, he wants to, like, wail at slash hit on Carcat? Yeah. Huh? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about that conversation. I'm interested in your reflection on this incredibly cringy interaction that's about to unfold. Um, I think it's just weird. Like, um, like obviously on purpose. Um, 
and Karkat's just like really confused about how Aridin's taking what he says. Right, because Karkat's trying to be like legitimately hostile, and meanwhile, like, and not even like. I mean, a little overinflatedly hostile because that's how Karkat rolls, but not incredibly so. And mm. um, Aridan is like, "Oh, of course, like, I, you know, I don't know if I can reciprocate these feelings to you." Um, but he's talking about, you know, how he made some advances on Nepeta because he was his, he was her server player, and he's like, "I saved your life." Like, um, let's get together. And she wasn't interested, which is Karkat points out is pretty unsurprising because Aridan refers to her as the kitty cat shipper girl, which is. A little derogatory. A little okay, well, that it is, but also that's the only parts of her that we've seen so far. So that's a meta-textual commentary. Basically, yeah. Um, and he also lets... Um, well, I think he reminds us, because I believe these hints were dropped, that um, Nebeta has a big crush on Carcat, which Carcat is just kind of like, uh, about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he spends the bulk of the conversation lamenting how, this is exposition, um, so he, his land, remember everybody gets their own planet, was the land of wrath and angels, and he was struggling to kill these angels. He said they're, oh, they're so overpowered, and, uh, Karkat points out, like, they very clearly were game constructs, like, not enemies. You were not supposed to kill them. Um, and, you know, nobody wanted to join, like, you on your world. Like, Aridan was complaining because he was so lonely and everything was so hard. And Karkat was like, first of all, you made it hard for yourself. And second of all, nobody wanted to come to your world because, A, you're an asshole. And, B, we all thought we got caught, we get caught in the crossfire between you and these game constructs. Mm -hmm. So, like, sucks to suck. Um, and Aridan only eventually left because he decided for some reason to duel Solux. Right, yeah, and that's just, like, we saw that before, I think, but I don't think we ever got an explanation. About dueling solids? Yeah. Yeah, I think that just happened off-screen. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I can never well, remember if it's that I read ahead, or what. Well, we saw, like, a sing I think it was there was, like, one, like, flash of it in, um... Oh. The most recent flash. Yeah, okay, yeah. So that's, I believe, what we were talking about. Yeah. Um, so Aaron kind of reveals his agenda. Can you remind me who he's talking to when he reveals his agenda? Yes. So um, he goes over to Feffrey and Salix, uh, and he's, so he basically says, hey, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go to Jack and Feffrey's like, what are you talking about? He He's too strong. Like, I know you're really, like, impressed with your own wand and <laughs> think that you're, like, that she says, like, you're overestimating your power. And he's like, oh, God, no, yeah, I'm not going to fight him. I'm going to join him. Uh, Comfy, which, right? She's like, what are you talking about? Uh, and he's like, yeah, and you should come, too, because uh, we're the royal... Uh, class, and uh, we should uh, berate ourselves to this overpowered god so that he might spare us. Do you mean prostrate? Prostrate, yep. Because berate means to, like, scream at. I meant prostrate. Okay. Which just sounds... Never mind. Yeah. 
Um, I can't read. I've been listening to Mabim Bam way more than I've been reading Homestuck these days, unfortunately. I mean, not terribly, unfortunately, because that's a good podcast. But every time mm-hmm. I read um, the word Jack now, I just think of Jack disease. Jack disease? Yeah. What's that? It's a thing. I'm going to Google it. They call it that because of the 1996 American comedy drama film where there is a boy who ages four times faster than normal, except they don't do it the way that progeria actually works. Um, They just cast an adult to play a fifth grade child, which is, Mm -hmm. if you've ever seen a kid with progeria, that's not really how that works. They, they, They remain small persons. They just, like, age. Like right. they they get wrinkles and and stuff suffer from all kinds of um, geriatric diseases and stuff. Um, so anyway, for some reason on the podcast they call it Jack disease um, as a contrast with Benjamin Button disorder, and right. um, it comes up kind of a lot in sort of the episodes of the two hundreds. I guess I totally missed out on that because I just wasn't primed. Mm. For the name Jack. Jack disease. Like, whenever they brought it up, I must have just glazed over that. I wasn't primed for it either. That's why I had to Google it. Because at this point, honestly, every time they bring it up, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I got it from context clues, but I don't know why. Um, so, so, an important thing that comes out during his conversations, Aridens, remember when we were reading Homestuck? Is that, um... Mm-hmm. He's the Prince of Hope. Yes. So he hears about Kanaya's plan with the Matriorb, and he's like, I'm the Prince of Hope. I want to be involved in restoring our race. And he tells Kanaya, don't go anywhere. I want to work with you. Hold on. What he says is, if there's going to be any hope of restoring our race as the Prince of Hope, I demand to be involved. Yep. Like That's just phrasing. I mean, yeah. It is important. I suppose I just assume that everyone knows how Aridin would go about announcing that he would like to be involved in something. Sure. I should not assume that. Because the whole point is we tell you about things. Um, so Aridin is explaining his whole agenda to Feffery about how he wants to join Jack and they should go and be royal together with Jack. And Feffery is like, I'm very not cool with that. And also stop using fish puns. That offends me. And, because she uses fish puns. Right, well, she says, uh, like, I revoke your access to fish puns because you're being evil. (laughs) Which is like... Basically. She's funny when she gets royal about things. Mm. Um, anyway, Aridin's response to that, I don't know, Solix and Aridin kind of boy about it, and then they end up dueling. Yeah. Like they shoot uh, and at it each other. turns into a side, like a side view. Uh, it looks really a lot like the Scott Pilgrim game. Mm-hmm. I have not actually played that, but I me neither. But I know the style. Oh, okay. To me, it just looks like um, the Power Rangers fighting game that I used to play on the Sega Genesis. Nice, but you know, retro. It's whatever. Um, and they duel, and the game ends 
you can't back out of that screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Solix challenges him. This is their second duel, and um, the, it ends with Aridin knocking Solix out against the wall. Um, he's really messed up. He's, like, bleeding from a bunch of places. But the narration does say KO'd, so he's not dead. He's just um, messed up. And, and he did it all with his science wand, his white science magic power thing. Yeah. Um, and this enrages Feffery. Yeah, she's real unhappy about this. And just promptly, like, charges at him with her teeth bared. And Erinin just shoots her through the stomach. Like, this enormous hole through her torso. Yeah. And the narration uh, summarily announces she is dead. Yeah. Um, and then Kanaya is behind him. Yeah, Kanaya's not thrilled either. Um, so she gets ready. Kanaya's standing next to the matriarb um, by the transportalizer, and she is, like, lunging to attack him. She gets her lipstick out and it turns into a chainsaw. It's all very badass. And before she can move... Aridin, uh, destroys the matriorb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then destroys her. Yeah. Um, well, he, he destroys the matriorb, and then she lunges at him with her chainsaw. And, right. uh, then he murders her. And then there's, um, a sweet bro in Hell and Jeff. Um, well, okay, I suppose we should reflect on all, all the murders. Let's, let's review the assaults and murders that have just happened. So Solox is knocked out. Uh, Feffery and Kanaya have just both died within about ten seconds of each other. Mm-hmm. Karkat's still there. My yeah, we'll get, to, we'll get to him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Aaron just straight up murdered two people in, well, perhaps not in totally cold blood, but pretty much in cold blood. Like. Yeah, I mean, one is the, like, the girl that he's... One of the girls he's in love with, who he said, please come join me on the dark side, like, we can survive this. And then she says no, and he immediately kills her. Yeah. And then the other is just someone who is trying to avenge her friend. Um, and someone he's, you know, he's nominally friends with her, too, and nope. Mm-hmm. So, boy, remember? So this is when, do you remember when you kept saying, like, oh, I love Aridin? Like, Aridin's my fave. Based on his fashion. Okay. I, <laughs> I never said I liked him as a person. I said his design is cool. You did. You did, but his design was cool enough that you, like, gave him top billing. And I'm just saying, he's genocidal and murderous. I'm not very bright. He's not very bright. No. Um, yeah, so Aridin is, uh... A villain. Yeah. Anyway, so he kind of just, like, teleports out of there. Yeah, he's fully a villain of this story. Like, he's a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. So if you... You get now, right, why I was so, like, uneasy. Or not uneasy, oh, yeah. but, like, I kind of I mean, I kind of... <laughs> I mean, I kind of got it when that was your reaction. Yeah. I mean, I try not to give it away too much, though. Yeah. I feel like I but... reacted as though he was just a sleaze bag. Which he right. is, but he's also genocidal and murderous. Yes. Um, so, um, Karkat is there. Oh, wait, okay, just, so there is a sweet bro in Hella Jeff, if you're into those, also. It's we like don't have to talk about stupid it. Stupid. Shooting a Dracula with doodly firearms. 
Which I only mentioned because Deudely Firearms will come back up. Okay. Yeah. Um, Carcat has a very, very uh, good slackjawed expression. I used the word gobsmacked. Gobsmacked, yeah. Because he just saw two of his friends die. And so, like, his first reaction is... Well, okay, his first reaction is to check all his friends, and the ones that are dead are dead, and the one that's KO'd is KO'd, and then he um, he sees the message from Doc Scratch on Kanaya's computer that Kanaya very conspicuously during the game did not reply to. Mm-hmm. So he goes over and he reads that message. And it's for him. Yeah, and it's one of my, like, it's one of my, I don't know if it's necessarily one of my favorite moments in Homestuck, but it's it's one of the most iconic, I think, um, which is a very well done couple of pages where it, it becomes clear that Doc Scratch is messaging him, and Carcat is trying to snark at him, and Doc Scratch is just like, shut up, basically, like, you don't know what you're messing with, just listen to this one piece of advice, and accept that I'm trying to protect your ass here. And then in a very ominous, like, animated gif like it's not even actual text you see a gif of the window as Carcat highlights the white text which reads don't turn your back on the body so Carcat turns around and looks behind him at all the bodies and he's like bodies are all there like mm-hmm. everything's fine clearly it's nothing um so naturally he turns around um he goes across the room and turns his back on them again to answer a message from Gamzee. Yep. Um, <laughs> and your note here is it happening. It's happening. Yeah. Because the first time that this that I read this, I definitely remember, like, shitting myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe it's... I don't... I, don't, I feel like it was, it's a very effective instance of, like, it was definitely foreshadowed, but you couldn't have put the pieces together in advance, which is like in Homestuck, like, I don't know, you're not always supposed to be able to predict what's going to be, what's going to happen next, but it's nice right. that he manages to like sort of hint at it anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, what's happened is Gamzee's run out of the supper slime. Which if you remember, he... Trolls sleep in, but he eats it because he has like, was not raised well. Basically, right. this is the troll equivalent of being a pothead, but he's, like, run and, out of it. And people keep telling him it's poison, and he's, like, just kind of incapacitated by it and doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, but now he's sober, uh, and he's also been uh, traumatized by Dave's uh, Blasphemous Juggalo video. Which we actually watched him open, like, hundreds of pages ago, if you remember, in the depths of your memory. Yes, because we haven't been back to him in a while. Yeah. Um, but now he's just kind of... Uh, something's happened to him. He's had a realization. So he watched, if you recall, an Insane Clown Posse video. I believe the one about miracles? Yes. And um, he, uh, if you recall, Gamsey subscribes to a religion um, that hopes for... The, uh, the ultimate coming of the mirthful messiahs, um, who will come and murder everybody, but in some sort of far off future. And also somehow that's a good thing. And 
whatever. It's it's all very harmless as far as everybody is concerned. He's explained that all the car cat and everyone just sort of goes about being mystified by it. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, um, Gamzee has run out of Soper Slime and he's watched this video and he's realized that um, he is the birthful messiahs. Um, both of them. <laughs> They're him. Because he's, 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 uh, he's switched from... His old typing quirk, they all do a weird thing when they type. It's very hard to read and frustrating. He switched from his old typing quirk of just constant camel case. Um, it's very MySpace circa 2007. And now it's just every other message is either caps locked or all lowercase. And um, he is both of the merciful messiahs, I guess the shouty one and the whispery one. Um, mm-hmm. And he comes to this conclusion because um, of his blood color. He's, like, got royal purple blood, and apparently, um, in the past, people, trolls of that blood color were the subjugulators who had, like, used juggling clubs, because reasons, um, and they would, um, brutally punish people who were accused of crimes under the Mm -hmm. troll justice system, which is very murderous in general. Right. And um, as per his religion, it's uh, it's time to murder everybody. Yeah. Um, so, Carcat is horrified. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a lot for him to deal with. Recall that Gamzee is his best friend. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, like, Gamzee, what are you talking about? Like, Gamzee, please calm down. And he's like, like I Ga- am calm. Yeah. Oh my god. It's it's pretty effectively creepy. It's very chilling. It's very, very silly and yet genuinely chilling, which I really like. Um He and it, they they've set this up really nicely where like Gamzee Gamzee says honk a lot and he also leaves horns around all the time. And so now he's like, you know, I'm gonna motherfucking kill every motherfucking one of you. Honk. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah! Oh! Um, Karkat is really concerned. Um, he also, like, has suddenly become, um, like, real racist, I guess, or, or you know, hemospectrum-ist type of thing, because he calls right, Karkat yeah. punchline-blooded motherfucker. Right, yeah, so, like, when he was high all the time, he didn't care about blood at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's, like... Realize that his blood actually matters in his frame of mind. Right. So remind me the extent to which we've talked about blood color so far on this podcast, if you remember. Quite a lot, I think. Hmm. Um, purple is royal. Mm-hmm. Um, and Feffery is like so royal that she's going to be the next empress. Right. Um, and then it's blue. Um, and then it's green. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, Kanaya and Nepeta and who else? Um, that's it. There's only two of them. I thought it was three of each. Or no, I guess that doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, then it's yellow and orange and red. 
Right. Um, okay, so if you recall 12 episodes ago, which was a long time, um, so there's there's that spectrum, and it, and it goes from people with, like, you know, sort of rust-colored red blood. Um, it's sort of like a maroon color-ish. Um, and they're, mm. like, the lowest cast um, to people with blue blood are, like, the aristocrats, and then people with purple blood, or trolls with, like, purple blood, and our, our, our royals, and, um, uh, Feffery has that sort of magenta pink blood, and she's royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and Car- uh, Gamzee calls Carcat a punchline-blooded motherfucker, um, because Carcat, if you remember way back to episode 28, um, Carcat's very cagey, the reason he types in gray, whereas everyone else types in their blood color, is because he's a mutant, um, and he has bright red blood, um, like a human. Mm-hmm. And, um, which is why he originally trusted, um, Jack Noir way back when, because Jack greets people by stabbing them. Um, and, um, you know, then Jack cut his own hand and, and, you know, was tired of him blubbering about his blood. And so Jack cut his mm-hmm. own hand and just showed him, like, look, my blood's red too. Like, I don't understand what you're so, what you're bringing out about. Um, but so in troll society, like, they cull anybody who's unfit to perform in their, you know, interplanetary conquest. And so Karkat is hiding his blood color basically because he doesn't want to get murdered um, Mm -hmm. or suffer a bunch of hate crimes. And so, um, like, how brutal it must be for him, for his friend, to suddenly turn on, not only to seriously be about to murder everybody, but also just to, like, turn on him suddenly and write him off in this way. Right. Like, that's terrible. Yeah. It is. So, um, like, in Gamzee's rant, he says, like, we sub-jugglators are above everyone else. Um, does that include Feffrey, or is he just saying that? No, he's just saying that. He's above most everybody else. Right. Um, and, uh, meanwhile, so he experiences all of this, and he's real stressed out, and, um... What he tries to do is go into a couple of memos and warn people in the past about it, which predictably does not work. Yeah. Um, he, he says that the Bard of Rage is on the loose. Right. Um, and that, like, oh, we all thought it was a joke that he was the Bard of Rage, and wasn't it so funny when his attack on uh, the final boss was super effective? Right. And, like, just, just like, a joke power. But no, actually, he's using it on us now. So people, other people from the past, uh, chime in on the memo. Uh, past Gamzee is like, what are you talking about? What's going on? I guess I'll just find out. Uh, and Carcat can't deal with that and just bans him. Yeah, they're all, like, uh, not having it, um, very gently. Yeah, yeah Feffrey is like, I can't tell if you're being serious because you're always, we get, I can't, I can never tell if you're being serious. Right. Cause he's always so over the top and, and he's actually trying to like, like limit how hyperbolic he's being and, and it's just not flying. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry. Like I failed you. Uh, and she's like, what are you talking about? Uh, and he bans her. Yeah. Uh, and then Aridin chimes in and he's like, Hey, Karkat, do you want to come to my planet? Oh my god. Can hang out? <laughs> I'm bored. Yeah. Recall that these are all in the past. So these are these are now people in places that they have just discussed with him in the present. Yeah. And Karkat's like, you, you idiot. 
first of all, I hate you. <laughs> uh, and second of all, I'm from 400 hours in the future. And then Aaron's like, well, can you talk to my car cat and get him to come hang out with me? I'm pretty sure he's just like, no. Or maybe he bans him. No, he he keeps going because there's, there's more flirting. Oh. Or like, like, car cat is legitimately, like, before he was just, like, grumpy about Aridan. Now he's like, you killed my friends. Uh, I, if, if he, I, like, if I see you again, you're gonna, I'm gonna kill you. And Aridan's just, like, kind of getting off on that. Yeah, which is, like, okay, it's funny, but it's also, like, really kind of horrific if you think about it. Like, he's literally, ref- you know, refuses to accept that, like, even... I don't know, he's, like, not even processing the fact that he's being accused of murdering his own friends in the future. And also, choosing to read that instead as a a hate romantic solicitation, which, like, that's not how those kinds of rivalries work. You don't murder each other's (laughs) friends. It's not, like, you foil each other, but you don't destroy each other's I don't know. Anyway. I don't know, that's... I don't, I don't know. If that's out of the question. Well, it's like, I don't know, sort of regardless, I would say that, I don't know. Okay, now we're getting into cultural. <laughs> Shut up. Um, Terezi is off in real life. She's looking around the meteor and she finds, well, she's, she's hanging around um, being miserable and she finds Tavros, who, if you recall, is dead. Yeah. Run through with his own lance by Terezi. Yeah, and so she um, decides to do an investigation. Um, or, excuse me, she, he is run through with his own lance by Vriska. Terezi finds right. him. I just want to make sure I'm not confusing anybody who didn't read this. Right. Um, so, yeah, she immediately, like, uh, Vriska's her prime suspect, but she goes through the motions of a uh, an Alternian. Uh, inspection or investigation. Or at least the um, Alternian equivalent of CSI. We're not really sure. Or at least her equivalent of the Alternian equivalent of CSI. Right. Because it's just, uh, she takes her puppets out, her plushes, um, and one of them she dabs uh, on him to find prints. Not like the dance move, because uh, right. like that was not in popular consciousness on the internet in 2009 or whatever when this was published. We must be past 2009 by now. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna check. Oh, no, yeah, there was the first year of Homestuck. 5267. I'm gonna look. M.S. Pain Adventures. 5267. Okay. Log. Homestuck. Um, wait, I need to find a identifiable... Terezi, inspect noise. Okay, then you control F for it in the log. I'm to reveal this process here. Oh, okay, excuse me. It was 2011, but dabbing definitely wasn't a thing in 2011 as far as the mainstream (laughs) internet knew either, right? Yeah, as we established that. Okay. Um, But anyway, he just like, or she just like, uh, dusts him for prints with the butt of this uh, plush dragon. And then she tosses the dragon off, like, into the abyss. Yeah, it's very nonsensical. 
Yeah, but I think she's just kind of, like, trying to cheer herself up by going through the motions of this... Oh, yeah. Like, justice thing. Yeah, in a weird, childish way. Yeah, but basically she establishes that uh, Vriska is probably the the suspect. And she smells Vriska's, uh, like, fairy dust above her. Because she is a fairy now. Mm-hmm. And uh, she can also smell Aridin out there somewhere with his magic, and she can smell what she calls a purple honk. Oh, no, uh, there's the purple honk, like, behind her on the panel. Oh. Uh, she just hears that. Oh, cool. So, recall that she has no idea what's going on with Gamzee. Yeah, she thinks, oh, poor Gamzee, he's out there alone. I'm gonna have to go uh, protect him. Yeah. Um, and then she's just surrounded by honks. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, ah. Oh, Ah, uh, that Gamzee. Then, like, then there's a page where, Alex, did you notice this? You go to the next page, and um, there's just Terezi's astrological symbol. And, um, oh, so there's there's two there's two buttons you can click. If you click the question marks instead of the next page arrow, you get to this page. It's got Terezi's symbol, and um, it says password in her typing quirk, and then there's a text box. Yeah. Um, and then... If you type the wrong password, it says, like, if you don't know it, you're not supposed to see this yet. Right, because it's, um, it's like page 9,000 and something. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's retconned into the uh, original page. Yeah. Um, and this isn't, this isn't the first time we've seen this. We've seen it a couple times. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. When was, do you remember when the first one was? No. Oh. Man. Okay, so that's really funny because... When I first read Homestuck, those were not there yet. I remember when right. they went in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely interesting to go back on my reread and see that. I don't know. How did you feel as a reader seeing that? I, I don't know. It didn't, like, fill you with I a just bunch of anticipation? No, because it it's another 4,000 pages till we get there. I know! Isn't that exciting? Like, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't really feel excitement. I just kind of felt, I just took note of it. Oh, man. That was, like, the kind of thing that totally sold me on Homestuck was, like, um, shit like that. Like, hey, look, there's still going to be plot happening 4,000 pages from now that references this that's happening right now. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, look how big this is and, like, how connected everything is. I'm a sucker for it. That's totally fair. Yeah. And again, like, I, like, I read this with a different, like, I guess frame of mind than basically anyone else reading it. How And, so? like, on a different... Just because I'm taking notes and I, like, you, you're, you, you're taking notes and you also are anticipating things. I'm just kind of going through and noting things. Hmm. Um, and kind of withholding any... Uh, expectations, I guess. Well, that's no fun. I'm interested in, like, what you expect. I don't feel like I can... I don't feel comfortable making any guesses. Because, as far as I can tell, anything can happen at any point. Ah. Because, like, yeah, these people just died. But also, I know they're not going to stay dead. Ooh. Mm. 
I suppose I mean, it's sort I, of unsatisfying and every time you say stuff like that and I just have to like, you know, wiggly arms John emoji. Yeah. I can't comment. I can't tell you, but I think that you're, I'm very interested in your expectations. Um, did you recall that kissing dead people revives them, provided that their dream selves are alive? I completely forgot until it was brought up again. So, kissing people, if they're dead, brings them back to life, provided that their dream selves are alive. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. um, well, okay, so Terezi tries to kiss Tavros and it doesn't work because his dream self's dead. And Karkat tries to kiss Feferi, and he tries to kiss Kanaya. Kanaya, yeah. Okay, he tries to kiss Kanaya, and it doesn't work, because Kanaya's dream self is super dead. Because John blew up, or because Jack blew up a moon. I believe he blew up um, Prospect. And, um, then we cut to, uh, Hussey. Yeah, so, um, kind of to parallel... Um, Tavros run through with his lance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a a beautiful uh, recreation of the scene in Hook, where R- Rufio is uh, stabbed in the chest by Captain Hook, and we get a link to the scene on YouTube, which is which is now a private video. I don't think it was always a private video. Wait, you uh, couldn't? Um, could you see it? No. Sorry, not private, like unlisted. Oh. Um, and which is full of uh, people yelling about these pages. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a recreation of of Hussey in in a Peter Pan outfit as Robin Williams, cradling Rufio. Um, and by which we mean like Dante Vasco. Dante Vasco, who. Alex, tell me what you know about Dante Bosco. Alright, I mean, we have definitely been over this before. Yes. But it's been um, a long but, time and my memory, she's poor. Sure. So Dante, Dante Basco, um... <laughs> Fuck off. Tavros has the, like, figment of his imagination that is Rufio. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is basically based on... Dante Bosco's character in the movie Hook. Right. And that, that um, goes back many hundreds of pages. That was introduced at the very beginning of um, Act five. 5. Yeah, when we meet the trolls. Yeah. Um, and so people notified Dante Bosco about him being in Homestuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he kind of later becomes uh, an actual character in Homestuck, as far as I'm aware. Um, After this, and yes. Uh, and it's just kind of like, this actor is kind of an integral and also willing participant in Homestuck. Yeah, he's a, he's a consensual pop culture reference. Yeah. Um, this sort of goes both ways. Um, so, yeah, he, yeah, he, so he does some spoken word and he does acting and stuff and I think he also directs, I'm not really sure, and. And he, like, found out that he was in Homestuck, and then he, like, started reading it, and then he's like, wait, this is really good, and he, like, became very active in the fandom for a while, <laughs> um, which everyone just thought was amazing. Um, and, uh, 
So what's happening in the comic here right now in this segment that we're talking about having read today is that uh, Rufio's dead, and so Hussey, as per Homestuck continuity or Homestuck universe laws, um, smooches him to bring mm-hmm. him back to life, which is which is which is like laboriously slow paced. And then it's, like, the same gross, sort of, like, it looks like squirmy worms, like, kissing animation. Yeah, so, um, we zoom out, and, uh, John is kind of captivated by this. Wait a second, uh, you, you skipped the part where it says, this is stupid, and each letter of this is stupid is the entire width of the panel. Right. It's very long. You have to scroll down to read, this is stupid. Right. In flashing letters. Then we, yes, then we zoom out, and John is watching it happen. He just sees the lips lock, and he has no idea who it is in a cloud, because he's on Yeah, he thinks, it, he thinks it might be some cephalopods uh, mating ritual, because it's just, like, these fleshy Yeah, it's, it's sort of a dig at how Hussey draws, like, lips, also. Mm-hmm. They really do kind of look like tentacles. It's, like, pretty gross, which I think is nice. I think that's appropriate. Yeah, it's not, like titillating in any way. Yeah, it's super grody, which is, like, appropriate, because it's people kissing dead bodies. That's always how it looks. Yeah. Um, um but John's like, I've... Oh, Phoebe, I know. <laughs> Phoebe says hello. Hello, Phoebe. She um, out. John's, John's like, I don't know how long I've been starting up with this cloud. It might have been hours. <laughs> which I just find really funny, because this is all still during one day. Yeah. Um, he just, but he's on the battle... You just get lost in it, though. Yeah. So, but he's on the battleground, uh, and he's met up with WV, who he uh, calls a wizardly vassal. Yes, so so continuing the, the theme of multiple names, same initials. Mm-hmm. Uh, and John finds uh, a wallet on the ground. Whoa. Uh, and inside is a note saying, Son, uh, you have now inherited this wallet. It is a big responsibility, and I'm proud of you. Uh, and it's from his dad. Yeah. It's his dad. He hasn't seen his dad in a while. Yeah. Um, so he opens up the wallet, and it's got... Wait, okay, I want to recap, because, like, it's been so long. I want to remind you that, like, okay, so John's house got transported to the medium, and John's dad was in it, but um, John... Uh, couldn't find his dad and just found all these black smears everywhere. And, and so he's actually really worried about, he's got a sort of a weird relationship with his father, but he's now really worried about him because he can't find him anywhere. And their last interaction was to fight. So no, he's no, he saw him on the battlefield. Um, Oh, that's true. He did see him recently, but, but you know, now he's looking for him. Yeah. Cause he would like very much to meet back up with his dad. Yeah. Now that there are some of the uh, only surviving humans in existence. Earth being right. destroyed. Reminder that Earth has been destroyed. Well, you know. I mean. It happens. I like to recontextualize this being a recap. Okay, so he's right. looking through the wallet. Uh, which contains uh, one ton of shaving cream. Because it's technically his, like, capture log. So yep. you can keep things like one ton of shaving cream. Uh, three tons of tobacco. Huh? Uh... A pile of like, like bare razor blades. Yep. Um, and other assorted dadly items. 
And a car. <laughs> he has a car in this wallet. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty convenient. Yeah. Um, and some pictures of John, which is cute. Yeah. And also a laptop of the Bing Crosby top. Yeah. Bing Crosby? Bing Crosby, yeah. Okay. He's the Christmas man. Right, He's who John thinks is looks really boring. Yeah. Um, as it's the joke being that, like, there's Bill Cosby, um, who has also, I think at this point, been turned into a laptop. Yeah. Um, who at this point in 2011 had not been revealed as, um, an absolute scumbag and instead was just known as a lovable, um, paternal comedic figure as far as anybody knew. Um, and so then in comparison, here is Mr. Bing Crosby, who's... The, the whitest, dadliest. Well, I suppose he's not really even dadly, but he's 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 quite pasty, and he's got a little pipe and stuff. And, <laughs> anyway, but their names rhyme, and it's it's a whole thing. It's a whole it's a joke, you see. Also, um, WV gets very excited about the Barbasol. Just FYI, it's very funny. Yeah, he uh, eats it and then decides it's terrible, and then keeps eating it. Being an exile. He did eat... Recall that this is the character who will go on um, to eat nuclear waste. Yeah. Um, so, John is reminiscing about his his pop-pop, and then he is interrupted by a big beep because WV has gotten into the passenger seat of the car. So, yeah. So, WV is in the passenger seat, and he's going beep, 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 beep. He's in the driver's seat, sorry. Driver's seat. I meant the driver's seat. I said the passenger seat. Um... Yeah, so John's like, I guess, let's go, let's drive. Also, there's a cloud Um, in the sky with an eye with a flashing image of Jade's tower. It's later. Oh. Uh, Because WV can't actually reach the pedals, and they don't have the key, which is probably a good thing, because he probably couldn't drive very well. Probably. Um, But to uh, get the car moving, John does the windy thing and makes the car float. Uh, and then, we, as they uh, fly into the air, you see another uh, cloud with a very faint eye, uh, like a close-up of a, a hooded eye, mm-hmm. and uh, Jade's flashing tower is in it, and I'm pretty sure this is Gamsey. Yeah. Because I can see, like, faint, like, makeup streaks around the eye. Yeah. Uh, and also, Gamsey, at one point, was making, or was, like... Watching intently as Jade's tower exploded, I think. Yes. Yeah. He was very invested in that. Yeah. So now that we know he becomes a murder murder man, this is rather more ominous, I think. I think it was pretty ominous when we first saw it because it was kind of out of nowhere. Yes. So now it's like, I don't know. I really like the horror or like the suspense aspect and the way that that's handled with mm-hmm. Gansey's creepiness um then there's a sweet bro and hella jeff this one is about a a skateboard flying away um also misogyny but the skateboard is a little bit important that's a trope that'll come back flying away on a red skateboard well we've seen that before right yes okay yeah so it's it's a callback to that okay um um and then john and jay just catch up they haven't talked since Jade entered the medium. Uh, and Dave's like, hey, sorry, or sorry, 
John and Jade. That's what I meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and John's like, oh, sorry, I haven't had a, a computer since uh, I fell asleep when you entered the medium. Uh, but let's catch up now. And it's really cute and nice. Yeah, I miss Jade. She's so, like... Well, I miss John and Jade interacting. It's so much, like, pure, like... Like, earnestness. Yeah. Um, so they, they, they catch up about, um, her, uh, frogs that she's gonna be surrounded by soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she explains that Jade Sprite is kind of useless, mm-hmm. uh, and went away to cry somewhere. Um, and they talk about John's, uh, the cult that seems to be surrounding John's, uh, bedsheets, which WV is wearing. Yes. The ghost bedsheets, um, which, which will later become, it's now visually quite clear, the rags that he's wearing thousands of years in the future. Oh yeah, that's like established directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, Jade's like, oh hey, I have these, uh, spectacles that I made with Rose's crystal ball. And I can see anywhere in space. And I, I know where your dad is. He's in a castle uh, somewhere with Rose's mom. And they're having a tea party. Yeah, which is really sweet. We don't actually see the tea party, but John is very reassured by that. And he, he starts talking about how you know nice it would be if they got married, his dad and Rose's mom, and whether they would be then okay with John marrying Rose so as to repopulate the species. Right, and uh, Jade, no, John has to quickly explain Carcatch's shipping chart to Jade. Uh, and they're both like, let's just not look at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of, like, exclamation points and little jokes, and I really love these two. Yeah. John uh, dates himself by saying derp. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, oh, that's right. This is happening in 2011. Yeah. Um, And uh, the last thing that we read for this week is Carcat trying to message John that um, he's probably going to die and not really getting around to clarifying that and just making John really nervous, which John responds to by trying to message Carcat back, but he has to initiate a new conversation. And, of course... This, you know, it, John can't see where in time Carcat is messaging him from. So John can only mm-hmm. message Carcat that's concurrent with him, and concurrent Carcat is still in the past as far as Carcat, who is fearing for his life from Gamzee. So um, John tries to warn him, and that Carcat has barely met him yet and is still busy basically frothing at the mouth. Yeah. Um,. He mentions the ultimate riddle, which uh, continues after the game is over. Yeah. Uh, but we don't really get any clarification about that. Nope. You'll have to keep reading. Tune in next time. <laughs> or probably in a hundred episodes. Ooh. No, that's Doctor Who. Ooh. However it goes. Yes. That's it. Yeah. You got it in one. Thanks. I was a musician once. So that's, 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 that's the end of the reading um, this week. Um, do we have questions? We have one question. Oh, boy. Guess who it's from. 
Mm, pasture. Yeah. I see. Okay. And what have, sorry, I'm also checking to make sure that no one has sent me any oh, okay. things individually. Okay. So what does, what, sure what, what, what do they have to was. say? Uh, talk about what it means to sleep slash dream for each of you personally. Do you ascribe a kind of mythological significance to your own mental absence? Homestuck with regards to all the sleeping and dreams in the comic. Or like, in that last sentence was in parentheses to uh, identify how this question relates to Homestuck. I mean, I'd be fine with it even if it were not related to Homestuck in any way, but... Right. Um, um, this is actually an I interesting can... one. Sure. Um, go, 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 go. Okay. Um, I, I usually enjoy dreaming. Um, I don't have, like, much say in the dreams. Um, but usually my dreams are pretty pleasant or just kind of mundane. Um, I've only had, like, maybe two nightmares that I remember. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, so lucky in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um... I mean, I've had, like, uncomfortable dreams. I have a lot of dreams where I have to go to the bathroom and I can't find the bathroom. That's pretty specific. Not a nightmare. Not a nightmare, just very uncomfortable. Oh, man. Um, okay. Uh, okay, I do have questions. I've not been getting, um, I've not been getting notifications about these, but, Okay. Um, oh. yeah. So, okay, wait, I should answer, I should answer the question first. Um, so I have always been jealous of people who do dream or who like remember their dreams. Um, cause for a long time I had pretty serious, um, aphantasia. I finally learned that that's what that's called. So I like did not have a like, good ability to imagine things. Oh. Yeah. So it wasn't that I couldn't like construct hypothetical situations. It was just that like. I, you could only sort of follow them as, like, the way that you, you work through a logic problem. Like, if then, yeah. it's not like I could put myself in imaginary situations. Yeah, like, a, a dream isn't a conscious process. It's, like, whatever your imagination is, I guess. Right. And so, um, for a really long time, between just not ever sleeping very much and, like, not really being particularly good at imagining myself in places I didn't... I'm sure I dreamed because everybody dreams, but I never remembered them and they were always mm. really pedestrian. And then just in the past year, I've so, so I used to like, literally I would hit the bed and the next thing I knew I was waking up in the morning. Really? Always. Yeah. Or I'd have like a very dim awareness that I was leaving a dream sometimes, but I couldn't remember what was happening in it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and just in the past couple of years, like towards the end of college, I started having dreams more regularly um and more vividly and fucking that's cool as hell dreams are awesome shit i was missing out that whole time dreams are so cool they're pretty rad holy shit you get like free entertainment while you sleep <laughs> it's so neat yeah you get to like imagine so i i tend to imagine myself usually in lately it's either like i'm having some kind of Political, not in the sense of, like, national politics, but, like, you know, interpersonal political dilemma. 
that I need to sort out that I can't really figure mm-hmm. out how to sort out. And I'm like running it around to different people. That's like consistently what I dream about. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I dream about like elaborate fantasy setups and it's super cool. Yeah. I don't really have a philosophical viewpoint on it though. Me neither. Um, I think it's impossible to not ascribe any meaning to your dreams because that's just kind of what we uh, are wired to do. Right. Um, but also, yeah, dreams don't have meaning. Nope. Not not in any literal sense. I did dream once right. about... Um, I dreamed that, like, for some reason, my parents had not originally been married, and so, like, my parents got married to each other. Like, my real mm-hmm. parents met each other way after I was born. I was, like, an adult, and they met each other, and they got married, and I, I met, like, this, like, I had a stepsister now, and I, like, got to know her, and we, like, spent a ton of time together, and then I don't actually have any sisters in real life, and so then when I woke up, I, like, really missed my sister. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Also, I thought you were, I thought you were making that, like, a, like, what John and Rose are doing. Like, Whoa. parents... Boom. Whoa. No, no. It's just that I had never met her before, and I, like, I really, like, deep down, you know, like, validation. (laughs) It was just very cool. She was, like, older than me, and, like, she's very hip, but, like, not pretentious. Like, she's so cool. I mean, who doesn't want that in their life? A cool older sister. I know. So, those are, that's my deal with that stuff. Nice. Awesome. Thank you for the question. Yeah. I have another one from Pasture. Um, wow. Okay. And it says, don't know if I sent this one already, but do you think the ultimate riddle? I think this was sent a while ago, and now it's finally relevant, so it's just really funny that I happened to check. I haven't logged into Tumblr in months. Um, <laughs> is something worth... That's not true. I logged in the last time we posted an episode. Um, do you think the ultimate riddle is something worth taking seriously or something not remotely worth taking seriously in your personal onion? Please edit out the following segment in which I go back to the wiki and look up the ultimate riddle because I super don't remember what it was. Um, okay. So, the ultimate riddle... I know what it is now. I have reminded myself. Um... Okay, so the question was, to revisit it, um, do you think the ultimate riddle is something worth taking seriously or something not remotely worth taking seriously in my personal onion? Um, I definitely think that it's interesting. I think, unfortunately, um, once you've read it, like, that's one of the reveals that doesn't really hold up to a reread because it's just pretty straightforward, mm-hmm. you know, carrot dangling. Um, yeah. but I think that when you don't know what it is yet, um, it's pretty effectively suspenseful. And I think that, um, once they, like the, the payoff the first time you go through definitely is satisfying in like a really big way. Um, and, um, I don't necessarily know if like taking it seriously, it's hard for me to think about like what you mean by taking it seriously, but I definitely think it's like a nice little meta plot element so cool yeah um thanks for the question um i don't know alex what do you think actually what do you think what do you think about the 
Ultimate Riddle? The ultimate Riddle. I mean, it was sent to me, but, like, do you have an opinion? If you don't have an opinion, you I, have to answer. I mean, I don't know what the Ultimate Riddle is. So what do you, like, based on whatever you think it is, you don't have to say, but, like, do you think it's worth taking seriously? Lydia, I have no... I have no data to answer this with. Oh, okay. No, okay. That's interesting to me that it's it definitely feels, like, totally unforeshadowed. Um, I'm not sure whether it's been deliberately foreshadowed yet. Um in any way. I just know there's like been relevant things, but they haven't been framed as like, hey, eh, 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 eh. so mm-hmm. not a lot of eyebrow waggling. Okay. I, I mean, I, I think I'll ask a question. Please. Is the ultimate riddle. So Tarkat says it's like, it continues being relevant after the game. Yep. Is it, are the, does the riddle's subject matter uh, exist within the game or in, like, the larger paradox space? Um, Is it a riddle about the game or about, like, the entire multiverse? It's about both. Okay. Yeah. Alright, then I do think it is probably at least pertinent... Okay. Or something that, at least, like, even if it's not, like, game-changing, uh, once you know the answer, it'll feel worth knowing? No, it's, it's pertinent. I'm remembering now, like, really what it is and what it means and stuff, and I keep mm-hmm. forgetting that it's just not something we've actually gone over yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually a really big reveal, and it's very fun, um, so we'll get there. Cool. Yeah, um, I think that's the end. I think we're out of content. I think so. I think we have, well, we have one more question, kind of. I'm actually not sure if we did this last time. But at some point between episodes, uh, Dwellington asks us on Tumblr, uh, keep it frungible. Thanks. Frungible? Frungible. All right. We shall. Thank you. um, I, you know, I've got the cheese cannons at the ready and I always brush my feathers counterclockwise and we will do our best to keep it frungible on this here program. It's not a word. I hear you googling it. Who is the admin of Frungible.org? What did you say? Who is the admin of Frungible.org? Did you say who's the admin? Yeah. Who says admin? That's the... That's one of the Google results. Oh, it's from a website called whoadmin.com, where you just look up a domain name and find out who the admin is. Are you sure you don't mean admin? Oh, sorry. I don't know. No, I'm, like, actually curious. Like, is that, like, how you've always said that? I don't say it out loud much, I I guess. Oh. The admin. Hashtag. Yeah, I mean, 
I would say admin for sure, but I don't know. I'm the person who like starts saying a word the way that it's shortened and then says the whole word. I see. Frungible. Frungible. Apparently it's a word in Spanish. Is it? Because, hold on, fungible is a word. It is. Frungible is not a word in English. Well, what does this mean? I think... Is this an ARG? Yeah. I don't, Are we being punked? I don't know what an ARG is. An alternate reality game. Like a a marketing scheme that makes you, like, like figure out riddles to, like, find out what the thing is. Or, like, to get access to marketing materials. Whoa. Sounds kind of weird. Like, um... I mean, I mean, that was, like, a very pessimistic look on it. But, like, uh someone releasing an album and, like, putting out, like, stealth-dropping a website that just has, like, a code on it, and you have to, like, get everyone in the world to, like, figure out the code to, to like, get the thing to unlock. Oh. Or, like... Why is that called an alternate reality game? How is that an alternate reality? Or, sorry, no, sorry, augmented. Oh. We are... We augment reality with our content. Wow. 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 Alright. I have to go get my laundry now. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Thank you for hamming with me. Thank you for hamming with me. And thank you all for hamming with us. And we look forward. Happy 413. Happy 413 is the Homestuck Day. That's when you're going to hear this is Homestuck Day. Happy 413. Uh, oh my god. That means the next one's on 420. Ah! Nice. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting, and thank you so much for listening, and we're going to talk more about this next week, and, um, we're getting to Cascade, we're getting there, things are picking up, ah. as always, you can send us questions, um, Hamsteak Podcast on Tumblr and on Twitter, um, if you think it's a spoiler, send it to me, I am Brickchip, like, the way that you spell those words for real, just all together, no hyphens or spaces or dashes or anything. I'm on Tumblr. I will try to check that inbox a little more often. I'm sorry, Pasture. And you can send it to me on Twitter where I am also Brickchip. And I am uh, Crunchleaf on Twitter and Leaf Crunch on Tumblr. Don't worry. there's We write it out in the episode text as well because I know that that is very hard to recall from an audio medium. It's true. Um. So thank you for listening. I will talk to you next week. Keep it ham-tastic. Yeah! Ah. Uh.